Hi, beautiful people. Welcome back to another week of With Love, Alexa. I can't believe, well, this will be episode 21. I truly love you all out there. And today I'm talking to Sama Morningstar, the founder of the Womb Centered Healing Temple. We're going to talk about the connection between mental health and the womb. I'm excited to learn more about this. Hi, Sama. Are you there? I am. Can you hear me? Yes. Excellent. How are you today? I'm doing very well. Thanks. Thank you. (laughs) Good. I'm glad. I'm really excited to have you on. When you were reaching out to me, I thought it was such a cool topic Mm -hmm. because you don't really ever think about it that way. It's true. It's Uh, true. It is an under-acknowledged topic of importance. For sure. The, and yet, if you think about it, the womb is where we all came from. Yep. That's true. And like everything's connected at one way or another. Indeed. So Indeed. if you, if you want to tell us a little bit about you and maybe how you came to wanting to learn more about the, the womb connection and mental health. Well, as most as it goes with most people, the, uh, you know, my interest and my motivations have arisen out of my own experiences of where things were, where I was challenged in my life. And, um, you know, my early childhood, my experience in my mother's womb, um, presented me with some challenging blueprints, uh, you know, my, my mother was a single mom. Well, she, of course, wasn't single at the moment of my conception, <laughs> but very quickly uh, learned that my biological father wasn't going to be taking responsibility for having conceived me and, you know, realized that she needed to move on and ended that relationship very quickly and became a single mom at 17 uh, back in you know 1969 1970 no it was 1970 well I was born in December so yeah I would have been conceived in 1970 (laughs) (laughs) and so and that was at a time when you know it was still quite um, quite difficult and still is, but it was even more difficult than it is today for for women to be a young teenage mom. And um, my mom kept me as a secret. She she figured out that she'd gotten pregnant and kept me as a secret for fear of her mom taking her to Mexico for an abortion. Really? So my very life was secret on pain of death. <laughs> From the get-go. So this is a very powerful, stressful, traumatic blueprint that set up, you know, when we're developing in our mother's womb, the emotional state of our mother sets up how we're developed and how our DNA activates and, you know, what hormones are coursing through the amniotic fluid deeply influences how we develop as a human being and the and the sort of the the mode that our nervous system is programmed to operate under and so for me that mode was one of stress and 
fear for my life from the very get-go. And this is something that um, we don't, we're not necessarily conscious of, of how these, just the thought that my mother's fear that she wouldn't be allowed to keep me alive um, is profoundly traumatic to a developing fetus. Yeah. And, and so, and, and how, how often ha- do mothers, pregnant mothers, have some kind of big fear like that all the time? Right. You know, not necessarily that specific one, but they may be fearing for their own survival. And, you know, they may be afraid of not being able to provide for their child. They may be afraid of something going wrong in their relationship with the father. And, you know, there's all kinds of things like that. And those... Mm-hmm. Um, Fear hormones, those stress hormones in the pregnant mother directly translate to big, huge influences on the developing fetus. So I didn't know that as I was (laughs) growing up, but I was, you know, throughout my childhood, that same fear programming was um, ingrained in my life. Yeah. And reiterated over and over again throughout you know, all of my experiences. And, you know, at a certain point, as I was becoming an adult, I got to the point where I was realizing that my dreams and my aspirations were all being hindered by this reality. And that I needed, you know, all the things that I would blame on outside circumstances and other people in my life all the limitations that I saw the world presenting to me at a certain point, I realized I needed to take responsibility for that, that, you know, I was the only one that was going to be responsible and really um, create happiness and and, uh, vitality and joy in my life. I had to do that for myself. And um, it was very much when I began taking responsibility for that my focus was on my sexuality because because of all of these influences I had um, a real hard time developing any kind of long-term intimacy with a romantic partner and that was very dissatisfactory to me and I it became very motivational after I'd had several partners where it the same pattern repeated itself that I realized, oh, who's the constant in this equation? (laughs) I couldn't keep blaming it on each subsequent partner and had to take responsibility for it myself. And I just very intuitively and instinctively knew that the healing needed to happen in my own womb and that my own womb had the source of the healing and that connecting my womb with my heart was going to Um, open up the possibility for long-term intimacy that included satisfactory, you know, satisfying, a satisfying sex life (laughs) and, and satisfying emotional bonding and intimacy with a partner. And so that was my initial real motivation for starting on a healing journey that helped me to unravel some of these programs and blueprints from my early childhood 
and my you know gestational time and my conception and all of those early early traumas um, you know I began to unravel all the layers of, of healing that needed to occur in order to awaken my capacity to have a healthy sexual relationship and emotionally intimate relationship with another human being yeah those are some of the starting points and motivation for me i never really realized how like deep we like even from like from being in the womb like how much like by your mom or by your biological father not being around it kind of set you up to have issues later on in life well yeah that was start crazy yeah and but it's 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 when you start to articulate it and look at it it makes so much sense because we start learning about our environment and our world as soon as we start developing in our mother's womb our senses come online very quickly and our dna is sensing even before our five senses of sight even before our eyes and the ears and skin and you know nervous system is developed our dna in our little cells are uh, is uh, is sensing the environment and receiving information from the environment and that is telling it how to develop and how to build this body that we're building inside the womb so Oh, yeah, sorry. Go ahead. You go ahead. Um, So is it kind of in a way also like how the mom is during pregnancy, kind of like if they are in a happy relationship and they maybe aren't as nervous, does that like, so that would help the us in the womb? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Because, you know, there, that allows when the DNA, when our DNA senses that and our developing body senses that happiness that relaxation that pleasure orientation of our life um, it's very powerful impetus to develop to allow a lot of our capacities as a human being to start to develop so we have codes in our DNA that um, can be activated or not activated So there's codes for pleasure and bliss and connection and intimacy and um, divine union and all of these things that we can experience that uh, a mother and father might be experiencing in their relationship. There's codes for emotional wisdom and, you know, feeling confident and safe and, um, all of these things, there's there's codes for that, for those experiences that can then activate our evolution as an individual and as a species. And so when our parents are experiencing those activations themselves and those codes in their DNA being on and activated, then that in return activates that, those codes in the developing fetus's DNA. But if the parents are feeling um, frightened and, you know, uh, traumatized and and have trauma patterns that they have not resolved 
from their childhood and from their gestation and their mother's wounds, and they're perpetuating that trauma. You know, we can pass down trauma from generations back, you know, and this is starting to show up in scientific and medical research that, you know, re, um, trauma from many, many generations back can be can be found in, in our genetic coding and how how we have the same kind of, you know, a child that's raised in a family where there's smoking and alcoholism and other kinds of trauma, traumatic experiences, they might not be a smoker or a drinker when they, when they become an adult, but they still have just as much risk factors for, um, for medical problems and health problems as though they were a smoker or a drinker. Right, because of like the second, because it's from the mom's body. And from just the genetic inheritance of that. This is like, you know, not just the mom's body. It can be, you know, it doesn't have to be the mom that's smoking and drinking. It can be the father or an uncle or, you know, someone else living there in the home, having the experience, the emotional experience of having one of the caretakers be in that trauma pattern themselves activates those trauma patterns in in the person, the the child. And then that gets, you know, without deliberate healing. And we're only just recently starting to understand in the healing community, you know, in the in the um, mental health community, what really helps trauma to heal. You know, the and and finding the limitations in um traditional talk therapies or even you know psychiatric drug therapies finding those that there are limitations there that it doesn't really take the healing 100 percent there there's important parts of talking therapies and drug therapies for sure for for many people but that ultimately for complete healing to occur there needs to be more somatic awareness and healing in the body pattern and patterns and in the DNA and and how our body is and how our nervous system is. And we're only just beginning to, you know, the research is just beginning to be published back in 2016. There was one of the first books that came out and said, look, these are all the reasons why talking therapy and drug therapies um, fall short of the full healing that traumatic, traumatized people need. And these are all the things that actually um, take the healing more fully into completion, which in that part of the book included things like yoga and EMDR and various other more somatic um, oriented therapies. Yeah. And I I feel that womb-centered healing is um, sort of the a big part of that, that these therapies are um, hopefully and I feel it's my mission to um, be a voice for womb-centered therapies. And a lot of therapies do recognize the importance of our experience in the womb. And I feel like uh, combining uh, an understanding of that with methods to shift somatically in our DNA those activations and deactivations that happen when we're in our mother's womb. That's one of the big things that I feel is important about um, the work that I do and the work that we need to develop 
uh, in the mental health healing community. I, I agree completely. And you created the Womb Centered Healing Temple. Yes. What can you tell us a little bit about it? And is it do you go some can you go somewhere or is it online? It's an online space and I was inspired to create it. I've been um, motivated to create um, online spaces to offer my healing work for some time now, six or seven years. I tend to prefer living more out in the country in more rural communities um, for my own well-being. <laughs> I am not a city gal, um, but in order to have a, a livelihood and a population that is interested in my work, I, I find that I, at this phase in the development and in the recognition of this type of work, I need to open myself up to the more global community and lo and behold, here's the internet. And so <laughs> I've been working on um, developing my online community um, for some time and I've been participating in other teachers programs in my mentors and teachers online programs that, and, and learning from that. Uh, for some time, so I was involved with the Womb Awakening community through the Fountain of Life and was an apprentice with them for several years. And I went to England to assist a teacher training with their program uh, last summer and got to experience in Glastonbury a, a physical location called the Goddess House, which was very inspirational to me. It was a group of healers and practitioners that all pooled together their resources and skills to create this location where, you know, individuals would offer healing services in the different rooms and they decorated the rooms and they planned um, events together and, you know, would bring the community in. And it was just this mutually beneficial collaboration and that business model was very inspiring to me. And I also took some time for my own, to receive my own visionary guidance there in the, at the Chalice Well, which is a sacred site where the waters come up through the earth with lots of iron in it. And it turns everything red. So all the stones there where the water is flowing turn a nice, deep, rusty red. and it's reminiscent of menstrual blood so it's almost like this is where mother earth is menstruating and so i had this whole menstrual ceremonial um visionary time there to really listen to my inner guidance and ask for you know what what what's the vision for me and my online community and that's when i got the vision for the womb centered healing temple I just was writing pages and pages and pages in my notebook with all these details about it. And um, as it goes with these types of visions, you know, you get all this clarity at the beginning of the vision and then it's the process of building it to that clarity. It doesn't happen all at once. So these last few years I've been, um, this last year actually, it's been about a year and a half now since I got that clear vision. I've been building that, the online temple space in various ways 
that are all very inspiring and fun and bringing in collaborators and guest speakers on the podcast and for summits. And now I'm doing a a 13-month apprenticeship that I have guest instructors coming in and collaborating. Lovely. That's that's pretty that's that's incredible like there's so much like that can be done like spiritually and it really it helps a lot I think indeed um what has been one of your favorite parts of like learning about it through yourself and through others and teaching well I'd have to say uh, one of my favorite parts and actually one of the most difficult parts is um, recalibrating my life and my system and everything that I'm creating and everything that I'm doing towards pleasure. And that uh, not, not in the, you know, pleasure chasing way that avoids looking at the difficult things but that but in the way that says that cultivating healthy pleasure and our experience of healthy pleasure is the best healing for trauma and for stress so i've been learning recently about how when we have pleasurable experiences our body produces a substance called nitric oxide and it's a gas and it's often called the pleasure gas or the god gas and we produce it in big bursts at conception when the sperm gets into the egg there's this big burst of nitric oxide and when we have orgasm big bursts of nitric oxide throughout our body and at, when people have near-death experience it's been measured that there's big bursts of nitric oxide at that time too and other times when we're having um, big moments of, of experiencing oneness with the divine and things like that. So we can imagine that, 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 that that's when, uh, although we might not be being tested right at that moment for nitric oxide production, but pleasure and that expansive feeling is what produces nitric oxide. And what has been shown is that nitric oxide helps all of our organs to function better and our brain and our nervous system and everything is functioning optimally when we have a constant supply or a regular supply of nitric oxide. Nitric oxide actually neutralizes stress hormones that can get built up in our system from prolonged periods of stress. And so pleasure is actually the remedy, one of the remedies for prolonged trauma, being in prolonged trauma response or prolonged stress response and the, detriment, the detrimental health effects that that prolonged state of stress or trauma can, can create in our body can be neutralized by cultivating regular prolonged pleasure. And so this is why many Tantra practitioners that practice having sort of ongoing pleasure, uh, which is different than most people's experience of sexuality, which is more like once in a while having a big burst of pleasure with not so much in between but instead spreading that out so that we're having more pleasure all the time and less of a big burst here and there 
is a very healthy uh, way of nourishing our ability to fully evolve and develop our our wellness, our well-being, and uh, our mental health, our spiritual health on all levels. Well, thank you so much for coming on today and You're talking so about the connection between mental health and the womb and I'm excited to see where your womb-centered healing temple goes for you. Mm -hmm. um, I will have all the information from her website and anything um, in the description below. And this has been another episode of With Love Alexa. Thanks, guys.